This is the Stoppage Time Podcast from WEGL 91.1, giving you the latest on all the big talking points from the Premier League and the Champions League. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Stoppage Time. I'm your host, David Ordway, and I'm joined in the studio this week by Chris Basinger. How are you doing, Chris? Uh, doing fine now, trying to not crumble over the uh, uh, enormous workload that I'm currently under, but thriving nonetheless. Uh, that's college for you. And Harrison Schooler. How you doing, Harrison? Doing pretty well. Also loaded up on assignments. Yeah, that's the that's the mid-semester vibe I think we all got right now, me, mm-hmm. me as well. Uh, we got a lot of soccer to talk about this week. Um, we're going to start with the just going over the midweek scores. Uh, Everton and Manchester City played on Wednesday. Uh, City won the game 3-1, to one, and I guess you all could have probably guessed that with their winning streak. Uh, Phil Foden scored, Raheed Mahrez scored, and Bernardo Silva, while Richarlison did score in the 37th minute for Everton. Uh, Fulham played Burnley, which ended in 1-1. Two relegation sides. Fulham's trying to pull themselves out of the relegation zone currently. Wolves played Leeds. uh, And Wolves, for Wolves, it was an own goal, actually, from, um, I'm going to say his last name, Meisler, um, in 64th minute, which is a terrible way to lose a game, especially in a one nothing uh, game like that. But otherwise, we get to talk about the weekend's games, which for I think all of us were fun. That's In- a joke. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Fun and interesting. Uh, and we're going to start just, again, uh, Fulham won against Sheffield one nothing, which lost me points because I picked Sheffield for this week and Chris picked Fulham. Yeah, hate to see it. I do hate to see it. But we're going we're gonna to start – with uh, Liverpool-Everton. For the first time in 20 years, Everton won at Anfield. Uh, in a weird season this has been, um, it's, I know Tanner's not here, but I'm sure I know he was absolutely thrilled, and that, that's a great achievement. Um, winning after the years now, um, I mean, the past two years, no one's won at Anfield. But Everton won 2 to nothing. Robert uh, Charleston scored in the third minute, and then uh, Gilfie Sigurdsson Put away a penalty in the 83rd minute. Uh, James did get another assist in the third minute. So we're going to start with Chris. Uh, Chris, this is your fourth loss in a row. Uh, you've been on a tough road considering where you the, the mountain that you were on last season. Uh, so you're out. You're in sixth currently. Where Where is your season going now? Yeah, so uh, let's start out with uh, congratulations to Everton. Uh, it's time to bring out the bus. I already saw a picture of one. It had the banner, we won at Anfield for the first time in 22 years. So while we have the Premier League parade from last season that we didn't get to, uh, Everton get to have a parade of their own, and it's been far too long since they've had theirs. Uh, so congratulations to them uh, for beating a down-and-out team, uh, and also congratulations to uh, them for effectively killing off Liverpool season uh, for the second time. We didn't think it could happen, but after the first game where Liverpool lost Virgil van Dijk and Thiago for an extended period of time in the second Merseyside derby, uh, Liverpool have now lost Jordan Henderson, who was the fifth choice center back, the 18 or the nineteen twenty player of the season for Liverpool, the captain, the soul of the team, uh, the voice on the pitch that everyone gets to hear. I know we all love listening to uh, Jordan Henderson hi- highlights after the game of just his audio, and it's even clearer now more than ever 
uh, considering there are no fans in the stands to watch this dumpster fire that we see on the pitch. Um, but yeah, so now it's on to the 19th center back pairing, supposedly, for the midweek game. Or um, actually, no, for the weekend game. No uh, Liverpool in the Champions League this week, um, which could be Nat Phillips and Kabak. We could see Ben Davies step into the team. I wouldn't be surprised if Genie Wijnaldum finds himself at center back. I don't know, because he's been the only player over the past four years who I believe has never been injured uh, at Liverpool. So maybe Jurgen wants to push it that way. I really don't know at this point. The only positives that I can bring coming into this week for Liverpool are that Naby Keita has returned to training and he can offer something different <laughs> in the midfield uh, than what we're seeing right now because it, it it seems that if you take out your two best midfielders and put them into center back positions, which then go on to injure them, uh, it doesn't help when uh, your your backup midfielders don't provide the same high pressing quality uh, that we see uh, from players like Henderson and Fabinho. Uh, and then also Diogo Jota is reportedly after being two to three weeks away for the past month is two to three days away from returning to full team training. So we can expect to have him starting by the beginning of 2023, hopefully. Um, yeah. Diogo Jada coming back is going to be huge because uh, let's face it. Firmino has not been on the top of his game. I don't think it's because of, I don't think it's purely his fault. He's being asked to do a lot of stuff right now and he hasn't gotten a rest since Diogo Jota has been injured. He's played practically every game. I, I mean, we even saw Jurgen was uh, uh, was not going to bring on Divock Origi until he knew that the Everton game was far and away uh, from Liverpool's reach, so he wasn't even going to risk it um, taking Firmino off because he knows how important he is to uh, to how the team run. And, I mean, we've seen this season when he goes uh, – when, when Firmino is doing his stuff, the whole team does their stuff really, pretty well. Um, and uh, another positive is that the next game is against Sheffield United, which is the only team out of the bottom six that Liverpool came away with a win against. Um, so hoping for an improvement of play. I Ho really hopefully Chris will be happy next week on the show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's, Chris, what's, Chris's disdain aside, we gotta we gotta talk Everton here because oh. this is a team that's in a good run of form, and they absolutely did well with the circumstances that were set in front of them, oh, which absolutely. was playing a depleted Liverpool team. All right, that is the facts. But a that ball by James was excellent, and yeah. Richarlison is becoming a good, really consistent player because he's not being asked to do so much. He has the likes of James, Calvert Lewin. People can take pressure off him at times when he was the star player after that fresh. 50 million euro move or whatever it was he was asked to do a lot he was looking to be the number seven the star for Everton and now he doesn't have that weight on his shoulders this is now also the eighth game the other team has outshot Everton and they've come away with a win That's that impressive. is really impressive they're extremely efficient in front of goal this season and I think that yes Liverpool were depleted but Everton did their job and they did it well I, I think I mean I, Pep's gonna win manager of the year uh, I think we all know that. I I would I have a strong shout for David Moyes. I do no 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 I do too. But I think I honestly think David Moyes and Carlo Ancelotti deserve a shout in that too. Uh, I, I I think that Pep can win bench of the of the year because his bench is the best bench. He has such a good bench. They play so good. And I think if you have enough good players on your team, then you get to 
play good football. But if you don't have enough good players on your team, then your team doesn't play as well. You play football well. Real Madrid have nine players out currently. Uh, they are playing five individuals on the bench that are from La Castilla, the U23. So, anyways, injuries this, this, aside. This, this year, injuries has been terrible due to and my, what I believe is the congested fixture list. They start the season later. Um, I mean, for example, you have midweek games. I know Liverpool does it this week. Uh, Tottenham and Manchester United have midweek games this week. Luckily for both of us, we've seen to wrap up our, our ties already so some kids can play and they can rest the the, uh, the older guys. But even saying that, I mean, Liverpool is a great example. Crystal Palace is a great example. Uh, you know, Wolves is a great example. All these players, these these really important players for teams that we've lost because of congested fixtures next week we have another tuesday wednesday thursday game week uh and then finally after that you know but we still have champions league we don't have a, an international break until march and even then we've had the argument here before that why are we having an international break right now uh and it's not going to get better uh i think the fa needs to look at it i agree with the coaches that say i mean and you're right city has city has the best bench in the premier league and that's not a question, but City has also been lucky. Um, They've uh, also been playing incredible football. Incredible football. And uh, part of that is is that the players that they do have on the bench, even though they, they haven't had nearly as much injuries on their team, but the players that they do have provide that quality when major players get injured, right? So Kevin De Bruyne, for example, was out with a hamstring injury for, I believe, five Premier League games and two FA Cup games. Granted, those two FA Cup games were against Cheltenham and Swansea, not the biggest opponents for Manchester City. But still, you, you got to give credit to Gundogan, who's done an amazing job over the past few weeks. Sterling has also come back into the team uh, pretty strongly. Sergio Aguero seems to be on the cusp of coming back. Of course, he always is over the past couple of months. We've been talking about him potentially coming back, and we've seen glimpses of him. But 18 consecutive victories... In all competitions, that's, that's the record, is it? Not? Where, what, what is the record? I'm I'm not sure, but it's, it's pretty gotta, close. It's, it's got to be up there. We're getting to 2002 Oakland A numbers right here, consecutive wins in a row. This is just yeah. it is just absolutely getting ridiculous. Now they do have a tough test against Bruce Lee, uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach in the midweek, and we'll talk about Champions League a little bit later. But if any team is gonna get beyond 20 wins in a row. It's going to be Manchester Manchester City in this moment. Yeah, let's let's talk about this weekend. They they looked impressive. They looked like they just grinded out another win and they're going through the gears like they can, but they have a new dimension to their game with Ruben Diaz. He is no nonsense defender with an excellent reading of the game. But he's the best really, center back in the prem. At yeah. the moment, yeah. he Hands is. Down. Hands down. Yeah. yeah, at the moment he is and he has a really excellent relationship with the players around him. You see him coming over to high five John Stones even just for making a tackle, just that constant reassurance at the back. He's a really really uh, commanding presence, and he's been such a difference maker for them. I, I, I just want to say one more thing on Everton, and we'll jump to City real quick. Uh, Everton's sitting in seventh right now. They're actually tied with Liverpool in points. Um, they have a game in hand, though, and they could be tied with Chelsea in, in fifth um, at 43. They have a shot at top four, um, and that's, that's a job that Ancelotti has done. Everton in the past have seen to buy, just buy players. Spent hundreds of millions of dollars on players. They bought the right ones this year. Um, Allen's been hurt for a while, you know. James has gone through injuries, and they're still sticking around, which is impressive. Yeah, Everton's next couple of games are against Southampton and West Brom, so those are definitely two 
teams that they could beat to get up to those top four positions. Everton, I believe, were top of the league for one, maybe two weeks yeah. earlier in the season. Now, you don't get a trophy for that, but it shows that this team has quality to be up there. And But the real test comes after that, right? On uh, March 8th, they play Chelsea. March 14th, Burnley. March 20th, FA Cup quarterfinals, Manchester City. So I want to see if they can get through those three games. Chelsea are going to be tough because Tuchel is completely changing this team. We saw some big changes this week in that game. And then Burnley are always a tough team to play. And then Manchester City are Manchester City. They could still be undefeated at that point, and that would be frightening. All right, well, let's talk about City. So City beat Arsenal 1-0 on Sunday. Uh, Raheem Sterling scored in the second minute, and from there on out it was kind of just controlled by City. Um, kind of a boring game to watch, to be completely honest with you. But City have won again, continue winning, continue winning, continue winning. Um, and they beat Everton in the midweek 3-1, and that's another good team. Uh, what Pep has done with City has been revolutionary, to be honest with you. He's changed a lot since what he used to do. Um, he's playing different players. It's not the same core. You know, he's starting John Stones. And Ruben Diaz, who I know they just bought at center back. Laporte, who starts on every other Premier League team in the league right now, he will start on every every team in the Premier League, is on the bench. Outstanding center back. Um, and in saying that, you know, Kyle Walker doesn't even get in the team anymore. It's Cancelo. Um, Zinchenko has been playing really well at left back. Gundawan's having a season. I mean, this kid, he's not having a season. He's having a winter months. Um, really, really outstanding. And they've been playing without a striker on the field, which is even more incredible. Um, yeah, uh, although um, I, I do think in this particular game, Manchester City underperformed. I really think they could have put it away against Arsenal. Arsenal only had seven shots, one shot on target the entire game, and a .33 XG. That means that City are doing everything that they need to be doing defensively and you see that with players like John Stones and uh, Laporte stepping up, getting into this team, starting consistently. Um, and City had 2.09 XG. I mean, Sterling and, could have scored another one. Sterling could have easily scored another one, but they were creating good chances inside the box, and they, they couldn't really put it away against Arsenal. We haven't seen that be a struggle for this team uh, in previous games, but that's something that they got to look out for uh, in the future. Is just putting away those types of chances, and without a striker, it's going to be tough. They're able to coast. That's the luxury that they have with how good they are on the ball. There are moments where they can pass you to death. But I, I don't think it was they underperformed. I, I honestly think Arsenal reacted well. I thought they set up in a really good shape. We know how well Arteta would understand that system. And I, I thought there was a strong reaction. And I think, again, I'll come back to this. It's a process. They don't have quality. You can't start Mohamed Elneny against Manchester City. You can't start Pablo Mari against Manchester City. You need more quality. They lack a dynamic passer in midfield. And I say that as Martin Odegaard lines up in the starting 11 this weekend, but he just didn't have that final ball. Now, I don't know if he was really finding the positions to do so, but they just didn't have that cutting edge in that, that final third, and they really couldn't come up with much of anything. But that is a huge credit to City's defense this year. They are on another level than they've been the last three years. Yeah, I, I do think that part of it was that Arsenal did have that Thursday game. So uh, travel and rotation are going to have an effect on the squad. I mean, but Arsenal wasn't going to win this game. Arsenal could have won this game. Any, I mean, any, any team can, any win, team game, can but... win any game on any day. Would it have been extremely tough for Arsenal? Yes, yes of course. 
But um, I, I do think that City scoring um, that early in the game just took the, yeah, just, just, just took the sting out of Arsenal a bit, put a, a seed of doubt into their mind that they could just do it again just like that. Um, I so, mean, Arsenal, I, yeah. they're in 10th, 34 points. They're two points back from Tottenham, who Tottenham do have a game in ham. Actually, I say that. Tottenham have a game in hand, Villa have a game in hand, Everton have a game in hand, and they're all above them. Uh, Villa have two, actually. And, uh, and then also, uh, Lacazette only has played 17 minutes in the past two games, um, and those were the last 17 minutes against Manchester City. And I, I do think him being out, because we saw it against in the 1-1 against Benfica, that was not the same Arsenal that had just beaten Leeds. It, Ars- it Arsenal need to focus on what they can focus on right now, and that's that's Europa. And, I mean, that's their only way, in my opinion, that they're going to get in Europe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's no hate to them. They have some really good players. Tierney's very good. Saka is outstanding. Um, and, you know, Aubameyang's there. Leno's there. But that's the only way they're going to get in Europe. Mm-hmm. They have to win Europa. They're not going to – I don't think – they're not going to get up to seventh. The teams above them are too good. The gap right now to seventh is uh, is seven points. And they have – Arsenal have a really tough run of games coming up. They're in the middle of one. And they're not going to get up there. Uh, and, and and Harrison's right. It's a process. We, we've seen improvement, um, especially at the back. But, you know, there are, they need they need some – Arsenal needs some star players, not just players that fit the fit the bill. Not Don't go buy Champions League winner David Luiz from Chelsea. You knew. You knew I, I was going to say that. Don't – don't <laughs> like, go buy a center back, mm-hmm. a good one, a Premier League proven one. Don't go buy – and this is – and this – and they're good players – I mean, they're, they're, they are good players, but Pablo Mari, don't go by him. Don't go. I mean, Gabriel has been decent, but he hasn't played since he's been injured, it seems. Um, he's been on the bench. Well, they, they did have a Premier League center back until um, January, and that was Mustafi. Mustafi didn't wow. play at all. And, but, the, but the thing is, it, it's, it's one of those things that you need to buy, uh, something that Manchester United did. Uh, and and we, we've, we've kind of joked about it before, but they bought Harry Maguire from Leicester. A Premier League proven center back that I know he costed a ton of money, but he shored up Manchester United's defense. Lindelof is not nearly as good as Maguire is, and it, it, but he works well with Maguire, and I think that's important. You know, Harrison's talked about before they can even play Luke Shaw in there at a at, and it's because Maguire is there as a strong center back. He helps shore up the rest of the defense, and I mean Liverpool, great example. Van Dyke does that. It, it's it's. That strong center back helps the weaker players in the team. He communicates and does all this stuff, and that's that's what Arsenal need right now. And if I were them, there's some there are some center backs in the league. Tarkovsky from Burnley, any of the Burnley CBs. Ben White, Ben White, uh, Vestergaard from Southampton. Good center backs, Premier League proven center backs that you come in the team, they automatically start, they automatically play. And that and that's and I think that would be the a really good future move for them. Uh, Manchester United played Newcastle. Uh, Rashford scored in the 30th, James in the 57th. Bruno Fernandes had a pen in the 75th, which put Bruno second in the league in goals, having, again, an unbelievable player of the season season. And Alan St. Maximin scored in the 36th. Uh, United, back to winning ways again. Uh, They're sitting second in the table at 49 points. They are tied with Leicester currently, uh, up on the goal differential. Ten points behind City. This is the battle for second now. Uh, 
Yeah, I don't think I, City would have to have a disaster occur. Harrison, uh, second place, a huge success this season. I would say it's an improvement, yeah, uh, on league position. But uh, they've got to shore things up at the back. I know you just spoke about Lindelof and Maguire being a good partnership, but we're slowly seeing the cracks that are in that partnership. You know, the lack of speed from either one of them really, and at times just a, a bit of positional unawareness from Lindelof for being shrugged out um, by stronger attackers. But, yeah, I thought they played well. Newcastle came out to play a completely different way. They were high tempo, and for the first five minutes, it looked like a completely different team. I think they're very aware of how um, how many goals United have conceded in the first 15 minutes of games. But they shored up well. It was a, an unfortunate header by Harry Maguire for St. Maximin to equalize, but Rashford was lively. Bruno was off his game, but still nicked a goal and an assist. And... Dan James is showing moments of quality in a time where he has to be in the side. Martial's struggling for confidence. Cavani's out with injury. Um, and uh, a really solid performance from Matic, who hadn't seen the starting lineup since the loss to Sheffield. And with him and Fred in there, you know it's not going to be a dynamic passing game. And you know Fred is willing to try those dynamic passes, but they're not going to come off. Matic is is pretty straightforward passer. He's not going to break too many lines, so it's, it's much more pressure on the front to be making that movement to be precise and it's going to help when they have possibly a right winger that can work well in tight spaces a little bit better than mason can uh is there a a name to that specific right winger uh yes actually there is ahmad diallo the young ivorian who is currently still looking for his first premier league minutes i believe because he did get his debut in the Europa League earlier this week. And on the subject of debuts, 17-year-old Shola Shoratire made his Manchester United debut today, or excuse me, yesterday, at just 17 and about 20 days old. Unbelievable. That's crazy. That's five. You love to see it. Six years younger than me. Mm. It's my favorite added dynamic to the club, to watch him come through like that. Yeah, it's like I can't barely get off the couch. And, and da- yeah, David, head. I was about to ask, when are you going to make your debut for? I know. Yeah, I probably help Tottenham right now. <laughs> uh, not talking about Tottenham. Let's talk about Chelsea. Chelsea Southampton one one. Uh, Minamino scored the thirty third minute. Chris, there's another positive for the weekend for you. Oh, huge, huge positive, huge positive. Such a big positive that uh, we should just recall him from loan and send Divock Rigi out to probably, Southampton. Probably a good idea. And Mason Mount scored a penalty. Um, in the 54th, and I, w- I want to talk about two things from this game. Um, the first thing I want to talk about, though, is Mason Mount. Chelsea's best player is Mason Mount. Easily. And and mm-hmm. th- this kid this kid is is really good, um, and he's young, and he's not he wasn't just a Lampard boy. He's a Chelsea boy. This man, he knows how to play football, um, and he creates. He's, he's the player that Chelsea wanted Havertz to be and hasn't been, and they didn't need to spend $90 million on him. He's no, good, no, Chelsea. Uh, we and, talk, and they we are different. About they this. are different players, but they are different players. But we have talked about this before, right? Frank Lampard was able to get top four last season with the players that he had, and those were stars like Tammy Abraham, Mason Mount, Callum Hudson Odoi, Giroud to a degree. They didn't need to go out and buy all of these players uh, to stay in the top four. But, but hold on, Christian Pulisic. Christian Pulisic. I apologize. He 
He was injured for a good bit of the season. He was effective in the time he was in the team. He was definitely effective, but he's injured right now also. But he's he's always injured, to be honest with you. Yeah. That is his one yeah. concern. The, yes. the best the best ability is availability. We, we still love him, but he's still love him. Injured. Still love him. He's uh, welcome to come on the podcast anytime. Uh, but I, I do want to talk about Chelsea real quick. Um, it is the first draw since Tuchel's first game with Chelsea, which was the nil-nil to Wolves. Uh, I wouldn't be too concerned. If you were a Chelsea fan, I wouldn't be too concerned about this game. Southampton are a great team. Takumi Minamino seems to be coming into this side well. He's already scored two goals. Uh, and fun fact, he has more open play goals against big six teams than Bruno Fernandez this season. Uh, so just a little jab there. But um, <laughs> Chelsea Chelsea didn't create too much without the penalty in this game. Uh, they had a 1.45 XG. You take away the .76 that the penalty gives, and it leaves you at .69. That's not a lot for this you know, big attacking team where you put out Abraham, Werner, and Mason Mount. But that's not even the most interesting thing about this game because in this game we saw the first glimpses of how Tuchel is going to be managing this team. He's an interesting manager. Interesting manager. He has a fiery temper. We've all seen that on the sidelines of Dortmund and PSG. But now we're starting to see it here, and he's starting to to take action, right? So he puts on hudson Adoy. At halftime. This is the other thing I wanted to talk this about. This is yeah. the big thing, right? He puts on Hudson Odoi at halftime for Tammy Abraham, who's injured. Um, and then subs out Hudson Odoi uh, 30 minutes later for Hakeem Ziyech. This is where he shows his intentions as a manager. Because I see this, and believe me, I don't want to see anyone be subbed onto a game and then subbed off. We saw it with um, when Ben Dunk was managing uh, Everton, I believe. Um he did it with Moise Keane. Yeah, and that was... You saw it with Leroy Sonnage a few months ago with Leroy Hansi Sonnage Flick. And, 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 yeah. and I, I, I think I'm going to disagree with you on what... I think both of you are okay with it, mm-hmm. the move. Mm-hmm. I'm not. Mm-hmm. Because, and and for the most part, I probably would be. Mm-hmm. Um, Adoy has always kind of been out the door, at a sense, at Chelsea. He was really late to go to Bayern Munich um, a few years ago. He's been linked to leave, and then Lampard came in and played him, and then he was going to stay, and then he's this for a guy that is a really talented player and young. He's always seemed to be linked to leave, and and I think for this, I I as a new manager coming in, I understand why he did it. I don't know if that was the best thing for Adoy. My my thinking on this is I don't think that Thomas Tuchel is too keen on playing politics, right? He doesn't want to play with players' emotions and be like, okay, uh, oh, I have to start this player on this day so that he doesn't leave for some other club. He's going to be the manager who says, you are either going to play the style that I want you to play in order to succeed, or I do not want you on my team. That's a very similar way to how Jurgen Klopp plays. And when Jurgen Klopp has all the players behind him, then he doesn't have to worry about that. But then you have a player like Coutinho who is aching to play for Barcelona and says, oh, I have a back injury, and then he just doesn't want to be a part uh, of that team. We saw it with a bit with Sturridge. Eric, Eric, Erickson did the same thing for Tottenham. And it, you could see Thomas Tuchel shouting commands at him on the sideline. He he just wasn't doing what he wanted him to do. And this was a situation where Chelsea needed to score goals and work in the system that Tuchel and was maybe I'm not and used if he's to not doing that, then he 
needed to sub him off. And maybe I'm not used to a manager like that. I know I'm Mourinho right now, but in the past I ha- I dealt with Poch. Um, you know, Harrison's dealt with Mourinho and Ole now, but Ole, that's not something Ole would do, I don't think. That's something Poch would do. They're more player managers rather than um, just, you know, stone-cold managers. Uh, but I don't know. It, it's interesting, you know, that he buys these stars. Um, you know, Ch- Lampard did. And, I mean... Well, the board did. The board did, but, I mean, you even look at it... Um, no, he had nothing to do with those signings. That's no, 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 no. But but he he brought he has these players on the team, and if you look at the substitutes, Ben Showell's on the bench. That was a buy this summer. I know he just came back from injury a little while ago, but that was the summer. Ziyech was the second choice to come in after a doy, and I don't even know Havertz didn't make the team. So, in saying that, obviously you know spending three hundred million dollars doesn't really make a difference. They just lack creativity. They didn't have it in the central areas. And, I mean, Mason Mount, we absolutely can praise him, but he doesn't necessarily have that passing range. I mean, it it is really great work. He's dynamic. He will run until he literally can't run anymore, and he will make that final pass, and he will get on late runs and score goals. Truthfully, a game like this could have probably been a good moment for Christian Pulisic if he could get off the injury table, but right now he can't. They looked to match Southampton in the work rate. They played in Golo Kante. With Kovacic in midfield, they weren't looking to retain the ball a lot. If they were, they would have had Jorginho. And they just had Abraham and Werner with their two center backs, or two fullbacks, excuse me, very high up the field. And that's who that's where the, the dangerous plays came from. Reese James was in the box, dangerously passing inside. So was Marcos Alonso. They didn't have a central threat. They didn't have a central threat to thread the needle. And the link-up play from Werner... I don't believe it's in his bag to figure out how to get better at it. I think his link-up play is always going to be subpar. So if he's not running onto balls that are dangerous, I don't know if he's going to be able to figure out how to reel it back into someone centrally and work something else out. I, I don't know if he will either. Um, this is not something that, you know, some some players pick things up as they move on, some players don't. Uh, I guess we got to talk about it. So the I woke up at... 5.30 in the morning on Sunday. Oh, it was a beautiful morning. Chris and I sat down. Uh, the and... light was shining through the blinds. We had coffee. It was amazing. David showed up five minutes late, and by that time, Eric already, Dyer, had, Eric Dyer had already made a mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sorry, Eric Dyer. But, so West Ham United uh, beat Tottenham Hotspur 2-1. to one. Mankel Antonio scored in the fifth minute, and then uh, Jesse re- reincarnated Jesse Lingard scored in the 47th. Uh, Lucas Moore did get one back in the 64th. Uh, Can I just talk about it because I've seen it before? Sure. You guys are reacting now. This is the way it was for us. You sit so deep in that shape, and you get so structured, and then you got to take you got to take your hands off the wheel, and you just got to go. And that's how it turns out for thirty minutes. You play makeup football as you go, and it's not good. There's no patterns. There's nothing. You look at Kane. You look at Son, and you say, "Figure it out for me." That's what he asked Pogba to do. That's what at times Lukaku and Rashford would have to figure out. It's just not. It's not sustainable. It's not going to get results, and it's going to be so hard to get these players back on side. Chris said something to me earlier, and he said, "I thought I'd be seeing this in three years, not this year." Well, that's that's and, the cycle, and right? Harris and I apologize for doubting you. You were 100 percent right, and I mean, you went through it before he knew what was coming. Um, yeah, this is a this is a real fun time right now. Great time, great time to be watching football for most of us, unless your name is Andy Hewling. Um, 
I'm, yeah, I, I'm not. Hey, I'm not complaining. He's pretty happy. I'm not complaining right. over here. Tanner's pretty happy too. Tanner's he got the best player in the Premier League playing on my team, and he's he doing well. He does. Right, right. I, I, I don't know. I, I, you know, um, Tottenham have lost five of their last six. I miss Pochettino. Um, at least with him. Well, he's not getting his results either. But no, yeah, no, maybe we do. Uh, he's already got a trophy. It only took him two weeks at I, PSG. I know. I, you know, it's just one of those things that we're at the point now. I'm going to talk about Spurs. Um, we're at the point now that it's all the day. Our next three games are against Burnley at home, Fulham on next Thursday away, but it's still in London, and Crystal Palace at home. That's 18th, 14th, and 15th. If, and, and to be honest with you, I nine points should be nine points from those games, in my opinion. That's what it needs to be. I'd even be, I'd be, I'd be okay with seven. If we lose one of those games, I mean, I don't care. The North London Derby's in uh, the game after that. I saw a man, uh, one of, uh, Alistair Gold, who's a, a journalist for Spurs, um, just like Jace Pierce is for you guys, and um, said today that Levy wants to back Mourinho because he sacked Poch, which was that was a huge decision. Uh, sacked Poch to bring Mourinho in. Uh, he wants to stick with him, but we've gone through in the in the twenty years that. Or since Levy came in and was the chairman of the club, he sacked ten managers. Ten. And I have been one to stand up for Levy, um, and he nailed it with Potch. And Harry Redknapp was also, a, I think he nailed it with him too. Um, but we've had other, Andres Villas-Bojas, you know, we've had um, sharing him. We've had, you know, managers. And this Mourinho thing, we looked better in the second half. Chris and I sat and watched the game. Uh, there was one positive out of the whole game, and in my opinion, uh, and that's Gareth Bale. Uh, and I know it's kind of like, oh, my gosh, you know, you're talking about a guy who has looked bad the whole year, doesn't look like himself. He, he looked decent. You know, he scored midweek. Um, and assist. And assist. He, he's, in the last two games, I know we played FC – uh, Wolfsburger AC, um, and I know that's, but still, it's still a team. Um, still counts. Um, he's looking better. He looked good. He was our best player. He made us look totally different. He almost scored, scored an absolute worldie. Um, but you know, I think if we, he loses, I think we'll hold on to him for two weeks until the end of the um, the Crystal Palace game. I can't see them sacking a manager say on Monday, and when we have a game to turn around for on Thursday, we're not Chelsea. You know, Chelsea did that, and, and Tuchel came in and had two days to... And we're not going to replace a manager midseason. We're not going to, like, bring a new one in. Uh, there, unless it's Eddie Howe, there's no one out there that we're going to go get. Uh, so in saying that, I, I, we're going to have Ma- Mourinho as, as manager, unless we were to lose the next two games, I think, for the next three. Uh, if we don't come out with at least seven points, in my opinion, I think he's going to be gone. I don't think they're going to keep him for the North London Derby because... For the fans, that's the most important game of the year, especially when you're sitting in ninth place. And the and the other team that is in that derby is sitting in 10th. I think the only excuse that Spurs would have to not get seven points at least out of the next three games is if Harry Kane or Son get injured. And they weren't injured for the game against West Ham. And they didn't perform like they had been early in the season. Tottenham scored... A bunch of goals early. You remember that 
5-2 against Southampton, the 6-1 against Manchester United. Granted, there was a red card, but still. Um, these players were scoring a lot of low-probability chances, and it seems that these numbers have caught up with them. In this game alone, Tottenham had 20 shots. 20 shots. Extreme, especially for a Jose team who we saw early in the season only have two to three maybe shots on goal the entire game and still come away with one or two goals. But those 20 shots of those, only four were on target. And even with that, West Ham had four shots on goal, four shots total. Four for four. West Ham had a higher XG than Tottenham with their 20 shots. 1.09 to 0.77. Spurs also had 70% of possession. When was the last time that you saw a Jose team with 70%? It's absolutely insane. Moyes, Moyes, I, Moyes, I, I got to give credit to West Ham. Moyes set the team up brilliantly. Brilliantly. Completely counteracted brilliantly. everything I, that Spurs wanted to do. And we saw that until Gareth Bale was brought on. And at that point, West Ham were just going to sit deep. They were, they were cruising. And they, they were cruising. They were cruising. Spurs couldn't break it down. Even with Gareth Bale coming on, sure, Spurs got the goal. It was a good goal. Um I just want I just want to tell you a statistic in the flat in the first 15 minutes after halftime and the last 15 minutes of the game Spurs have gave up 17 goals this season I believe is the stat it might be a little less and out of the 27 goals we've and I know you sit there and you may sit there and go well that's just you know that just happens we gave up Marino did the tactical change and we gave up a goal immediately after halftime and that threw the tactical change out the window you know and it did and and you know Tottenham fans are split Again, Harrison called this. Tottenham fans were split. Are split on Mourinho. Uh, I am not going to sit here and say he needs to be sacked. I'm just going to sit here and say let the it'll 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 run its course. Uh, I don't run the club, so I'm not going to tell them how to run it. But in saying that, um, yeah, it's frustrating. You know, you I've sat there before and I'd be like, how is this dude still the manager? But at the same time, you know, Eric Dyer is playing with the least confidence I've ever seen him play with, and. Uh, you know, Davison Sanchez makes a mistake every game. And, and, you know, I still think he's a decent center back, especially with another center back. But Toby Alderweireld needs to start. Toby Alderweireld needs to start. Great season so far for West Ham. Yeah, got to give it to him. Thank you, David Moyes, for raising the value of Jesse Lingard. I <laughs> thought it was impossible. Yeah, Jesse Lingard's really come out and played well, and he scored a really nice goal. Uh, I know there's a defensive error, but he, the shot itself was outstanding. The finish was outstanding. And- I'm, I'm not sure which is worse. Um, Tottenham's performance in this game or the celebration that happened after the Jesse Lingard goal. I don't know what Declan Rice I, or Jesse Lingard were doing there. I thought Declan Rice was trying to ride a horse. Jesse, it was Jesse Lingard's celebration. Declan Rice, I don't know what he was doing. He was playing the drums. <laughs> Play, playing the drums like... Yes. Yeah. Would have been better with two coconuts in his hand. All right, I want to get to one more game uh, before we... Uh, we got to talk about Leicester and Villa. So Villa... It's without Jack Grealish this game. Uh, Leicester won 2-1. to one. James Madison, who has the most goals in the Premier League from outside the box since he came into Leicester. He has the most goals out of anybody in the Prem, which is kind of a nuts stat. Um, and then Bertrand Traore scored for Aston Villa. Uh, Leicester is tied for second. Um, I told Chris earlier when we were driving here, I said, in my opinion, fourth place is up for grabs, but the other three places are kind of, to me, seem a little bit set in stone. Uh, I think I think United is going to pull it out. Um, obviously, City is, and I think Leicester, with the way they're playing, they're beating the teams they need to beat. They may not win every game, but they're beating the teams they need to beat. Uh, Harrison, what is Villa like without Grealish? 
They're a side that's going to struggle, and they don't have that maverick in midfield to create from just about nothing like he can, and it's going to be a real test of players like Bertrand Traore, John McGinn, Ross Barkley, and Ollie Watkins. It's going to be on Ollie Watkins to finish probably lesser chances than he would have had with Grealish on the field. Um, excellent setup by Brendan Rodgers, and I just didn't think Villa had much of a way back into it, even even with the goal that they got back. So we look at the table, and as I said before, uh, City's at 59. They're 10 points above United, and Leicester are both at 49. West Ham United's in fourth at 45. Chelsea's in fifth with 43, and then Liverpool, Everton are tied at 40. Villa's at 36, tied with Tottenham Hotspur, but they Villa does have a game in hand against Tottenham and two in hand against um, the top four, and Arsenal sitting in 10th. Uh, the relegation, Sheffield, West Brom, and Fulham. Fulham has the only chance of getting out. They're three points right now behind Newcastle. I think they have a chance. I'm not saying they're going to do it, but they definitely have a chance. Uh, and also, Fulham are fun to watch. They've got some good little players, and you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, it's going to be a really interesting end of the year. But last week or two weeks ago, we did all say that we think the three that are there now are going to get relegated. All right, on to predictions. Christopher, what are the standings? All right, so after the results of last week, Andy came away with an added three points from the Leicester win. I came away with four points from Fulham winning and the Burnley tie. Harrison came off with three points from United, and David came off with three points from Leicester, which brings the standings to David with four, Andy and Harrison tied in second with six, and myself with seven points. All right. Honor predictions, I need to get a relegation real quick because that would be that'd be big. That would be big sad. All right, Chris, you're first. All right, well, I have my predictions and Andy Hewling's predictions. So uh, I will be choosing – I had some success with the smaller teams last week, so I'm going to go again this week. I'm going to pick West Brom over Brighton and Crystal Palace with Christian Benteke, Liverpool legend. Uh, over Fulham. All right. And, and what's Andy's? And for Andy, uh, he picks Leeds over Villa and Wolves over Newcastle. Yeah, those are probably two really good picks. Harrison. I will be taking Wolves to beat Newcastle, and I'll be taking Sheffield United to get a result. I mean, you got to take them at some point. Amazing. Yep. You got you got to take them at some point. I took them last week and they didn't pull it out for me. Uh, so I guess it's my turn now. I will also be taking Wolves against Newcastle, and I'm gonna. I'm not taking West Brom. I'm gonna take Brighton against West Brom. I gotta knock the lower teams out. I'm trying to save the big ones, you know. But I also don't want to pick Tottenham because I don't. I don't trust them. I, I was thinking about picking Tottenham. I thought about it. I think this weekend's game is the toughest one of the next three. We shall see. Low block. All right. Well, thank you for joining us, um, and we will be back next Monday to talk about this upcoming weekend's games. Hopefully, uh, Chris and I are a little happier next week, but uh, <laughs> everyone have a good week. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Stoppage Time. You can follow us on Instagram at stoppagetime91.1 for news, updates, and more. Be sure to tune in next week for another great episode on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts.